0: Hello and welcome to the Iron Sharpens Iron Bible Study Podcast. Guys, I'm so excited to be back this week after uh, vacationing in Branson with my family. Um, This week we'll be picking up in Chapter 4 of uh, James. Chapter 4 of James's letter continues the line of thinking we read in Chapter 3. We observed in the the last episode the problem of worldly wisdom. Having bitter jealousy, envy, and selfish ambition reveals that we are following the wisdom of the world and not the wisdom of God. The result of worldly wisdom is disorder and every vile practice. Following the wisdom of uh, the world not only causes uh, ruin to ourselves as individuals, but also causes problems for our local church. Christians fighting with other Christians, divisions, hurt feelings, tension, and strife are easily seen by outsiders. The local church becomes dysfunctional as it cannot be a light in the community because they are fighting with one another. And in this section, James is going to further identify the sinfulness in their lives that is causing these problems. Uh, That being said, let's jump into the scripture here and let's read uh, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? We live in a pleasure-driven society. Do what you want to do. Make sure that you're happy. Obey your passions and and your thirst. Uh, and James asks us the question where do you think these quarrels and fights come from? The answer is that your passions are at war within you. What is interesting is the language James uses was typically used of uh, national and national warfare and political battles. That is why the the Holman Christian standard Bible and the new King James version read wars and fights. Uh, these words were used for military war, but James is speaking in spiritual terms. His concern is not about Germany attacking France or Iraq, attacking Kuwait. We know this because he speaks of the fights among you. We saw this language in James three and verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? He is talking to groups of Christians and is observing the problems of quarrels, fights, and strife between Christians. James's answer is not the answer we give. The answer we give about why there is strife is because of something outside of us. We, we blame the other person. We blame things that were said. We blame actions that hurt us but that is not what james tells us james says that the problem resides within us battles and fights come from our selfish hearts and our desires for pleasure we have passion that rules our hearts and bodies the problem is that we have not conformed to the wisdom of god but have conformed to the wisdom of the world go back to james 3:17 and 18 and and see this connection, when we are operating by the wisdom of God, what will we be? Peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. What is the result of living by the wisdom of God? A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's the result. So where do fights and quarrels come from? They do not come by obeying the wisdom of God. They, do not, they don't come by being wise and full of understanding. Fights and quarrels come because of our selfish passions and desires that are at war within us. It is wrong for those or it is wrong for there to be fights, quarrels, and strife among Christians. People are obeying their passions and obeying the wisdom of the world rather than submitting to God's wisdom when there is strife. We're seeking our own physical pleasures, our our own power, our own honor, uh, reputation, or some other selfish pursuit. Unfortunately, the life of the elders and the evangelists can be uh, trying to put out fires between Christians or within families. Uh, Quarrels and strife are completely out of place in the Christian family. Let's read on here verses 2 and 3. It says, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. James explores further our sinfulness. We desire and do not have, so we murder. We covet and cannot obtain so we fight and quarrel. James, again, points out that there is a problem of self-centered thinking. As we pointed out in verse 1, I, I don't think James is speaking about literal fist fights and warfare. James is spiritualizing the language to show the gravity of the sinfulness in quarreling Christians. I'm going to be consistent and believe that James is not speaking about literal murder. I do not think that there was an epidemic of murder breaking out among Jewish Christians. I do not believe Christians were coming to church with weapons to take each other out in the parking lot. I believe James is using uh, hyperbole to drive home how sinful and evil their actions are. Notice in the first two sentences that there are parallels. Desire and do not have parallels, covet, and cannot obtain. Also, murder parallels fight and quarrel. What James is doing is revealing the malice and animosity in some of these churches. So James is using some shock value in the same way that Jesus did in Matthew 5:21 and 22. Jesus taught that hating your brother was a sin just as murder is a sin. James explains why they do not have. There's two reasons. First, they do not have because they don't ask. It appears that the prayer life of these Christians had completely died. They were not asking God for things that they needed. They had desires just running amok without any control or discipline at all. They just want, want, want. Uh, The writer of Proverbs said in Proverbs 30 and verse 15, the leech has two daughters. Give and give. We are very bad about this. We just want and want. We think we deserve to live in houses and drive cars. And not just houses, large houses in uh, nice neighborhoods. The degree of materialism we can show is overwhelming and sinful. We also desire power, respect, honor, popularity and other things of that nature. James is asking us to examine our desires. Are we asking God, or are we self-seeking? And the second problem is, not only were they not asking God, but when they did ask God, they were asking wrongly. Have you ever thought about the possibility of praying wrongly? We might have thought that all that matters is praying, but how we pray does matter. James says that they prayed asking for things that they could spend on their passions. To state this another way, that they were praying selfishly. They were not praying toward God's will or what would best, uh, or what would be best for their spirituality. They just prayed selfishly. I do not mean by this that, It's wrong to pray for ourselves or things that are going on in our lives. What I mean by selfishly is that they were praying to fulfill these passions and desires. It is the picture of turning God into the the genie of the lamp who will fulfill our our wishes. James says, you do not receive when your prayer life looks like that. Do we only run to God when we, we have a selfish need? Or do you have a relationship with God so that making requests of God come from a a love for him? It is the difference between our children who have a loving relationship with us so that we want to give to them when they respectfully ask of us and show appreciation and children who are bratty and ask of you only because you have the money, not because they love you. Let's read on here verses 4 and 5. Uh, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? James exclaims, you adulterous people. The sin of adultery has not been uh, the topic that James has been dealing with in this section. Uh, I'm going to m- maintain consistency and state that James is speaking of spiritual adultery. Jesus repeatedly called the people in uh, Matthew twelve thirty nine and sixteen four a wicked and adulterous generation. Jeremiah and, Ho- Jeremiah and Hosea described the sins of the people as adultery against God. James, again, for the shock value to wake these Christians from spiritual lethargy, calls them adulterous people. The affair against God is explained further in verse 4. Friendship with the world is breaking the covenant we have with God. Friendship with the world is to be an enemy of God. What does it mean to have friendship With the world. James doesn't mean that you cannot have friends that are not Christians. This concept is not about individuals. Friendship with the world is to adopt the world's values and standards, it is to adopt what the world wants instead of choosing according to divine standards. Friendship with the world is to put our passions and desires ahead of the passions and desires of God. Friendship with the world can be seen in so many areas of our lives. I'll I'll list a few to to get your mind moving uh, in the right direction, but this is not an exhaustive list. When we think like the world in terms of morality, we are friends with the world and enemies of God. When we have no problem with sex before marriage, adultery, or other sexual sins, then we are friends with the world. When our definition of modesty matches the nakedness of the world rather than the shame that God commands is friendship with the world. When we have no desire to serve God, to worship God, or to gather with one another uh, another to study or fellowship, we are observing that we are friends with the world. Our fighting and quarrels reveal that we are enemies of God and are not friends with the world. When people in the world do not see us as different from them because of our actions, we are friends with the world. Now, we might think it is okay to be friends with the world. We excuse these behaviors because everyone, everyone else in the world is doing it. You know, God, do you want me to look different on the beach or at the pool than everyone else who's nearly wearing nothing? Yes. God, do you want me to be different because I go to worship more than once a week? Yes. God, do you want me to be different and not live with my boyfriend or girlfriend? Yes. God do you want me to not have sexual relations before marriage? Yes. God do you do you want me to define right and wrong and speak against sinful activities? Yes. God do you want me to be different and remain in my marriage all my life and never divorce? Yes. God do you really want me to be faithful and pure in my marriage? Yes. These may seem like some outlandish and difficult things, but it shows how much our thinking has been corrupted by the world. We must live by God's social and moral standards, not the world's. It It's not okay to be like the world. And this is James's point in verse 5, where he says, Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. There are a number of different translations of this verse because the, the, the Greek is pretty difficult. But I believe the ESV has the translation that makes the most sense and it fits with the context the best. God is jealous for you. God doesn't want to share you with the world. He will not share you... Um, With the world, it's unclear to me why we have a difficult time understanding that God is jealous for our lives. We understand in marriage, when we marry, we are leaving family and friends at second place. And the marriage is where attention. That's where our attention belongs, is our marriage. Something is wrong Uh, with the marriage if you are spending time with every person but your spouse. In the same way, there is something wrong if we spend our time with every person but God. We We are showing our friendship with the world. We are cheating on him rather than being united to him completely. He is jealous for us, and we will not accept second place. And he will not accept second place. We need to serve God completely or don't bother because he will not be the third wheel in the relationship. But let's read verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. After crushing our hearts in an effort to see that our friendship with the world is has separated us from god james says something that gives us hope but he gives more grace i needed to hear those words at that at that moment we see that we have fallen well short of the relationship that god demands of us we have been listening to the wisdom of the world and become friends with the world but god gives more grace god can overcome our sinfulness. There is always enough grace to redeem us. From what we have done because of Jesus. It's not time to give up. It's time to seek grace. This grace comes to those who are, who humble themselves. Not to the proud. There is no grace to the self-centered and those who act selfishly. There is no grace to those who continue to practice Uh, Jealousy and envy. There is no grace for those who ignore his call and continue to be friends with the world. But those who humble themselves will find grace. Those who will admit that they have not been living in a way that God demands. And come to the Father seeking grace. God can and will overcome your sins if you will humble yourself before God. We need to stop being self-seeking and become God-seeking. God can fix this if you will seek him and give yourself to him. Guys, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to be back. Um, As always, if you enjoy the podcast, like, share, and subscribe. And until next week, God bless.